Welcome to Love Essie, the podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back uh, to another week of Love Essie, the podcast. I don't know why I'm introducing it all over again. Like you didn't just hear the intro, whatever. Um, so this week, it's going to be a little bit different. Like, if you've been listening to me for a while, you should, like, not always, but I usually pick, like, one or two specific books and I talk about them. Um, my reading has been all over the place. And when I say all over the place, not really, but kind of, sort of. So I'm, I'm going to talk about romance. Um, so it's going to be a little bit different, I think. I don't I, We're trying something new. Okay, come along for the ride. It's gonna be fun. Um, that's my bracelets. I think you're hearing. I just realized um that they make noise when they move. Anyway, um, so yes, the new year has started, and as I'm sure you all heard last week, uh, I definitely maintained my read a shit ton of romance. Uh, even while I wasn't recording. And it's been really interesting, at least for me, to see how my brain sort of is, like, all over the place. Um, So one of the things... Okay, let me backtrack a little. So last year, I don't remember... I think my Goodreads book challenge, like, reading challenge, had been, like, 75 books, which I'd been, like, that's so, like, low. Now, I'm really, really bad. And I mean, really bad at keeping track of my books. Uh, did did I create a reading log for myself? I sure did. Did I fill out much of any of it? No. Um, did I at one point, this was, oh my God, guys, this was early 2020 before, you know, the world started to fall to pieces. Or, I mean, it was already, you know, in pieces, but we just weren't aware. Whatever. Um, I had seen um, that Beth from Be In Her Books was using like old school, like, you know, the library uh, card slip that you get, you used to have in the back where it'd be like, this person has borrowed this book for this many days. And so she'd been using that as a way of tracking like what she read every month. I started that. I actually, the other day found them. I managed to do that for January and February of that year. And then, and to be fair, I mean, then everything started to fall to pieces and, um, every time I went outside, I thought I was going to, you know, um, not be able to, not not make it because I was going to breathe in the wrong air and it was going to be laced with COVID and I was going to be dead. So sure, maybe that, you know, I could say that it's not that I suck at uh, tracking what I read, but that really it was the universe that prevented me. Um, but here's the thing, <laughs> we're like 2023 now um, and I still struggle. I was all like, I'm going to make a digital reading journal. Did not do that. Um, did not get very far. And so last year at like late November, I realized that I was pretty far behind because I had not been tracking anything. Part of it, I probably would, you know, had gone for longer stretches without reading and hadn't realized it, but I had been very bad about tracking. And so I was like, how do I like it? I think I was like, I need at least 30 books. And I was like, (laughs) December's in like a week. So I started, I don't think I consciously was like, I'm going to read Harlequin Presents, but I randomly grabbed one. And when I say grabbed, I mean, I was on the Libby app and I was like, oh, I'm going to borrow this one. And here's the thing. 
Harlequin, I'm, I'm assuming this is part of Harlequin's marketing strategy is marketing strategy. Wow. Strategies. Look at me not being able to say words in English. Part of their strategy is that when you finish a book, right, not only do they list other books by that author, but they always, and I mean always, include an excerpt from another book from a completely different author. Oftentimes, it's really interesting. There will be a book that is part of a series, like maybe there's two or three, right? That's like, oh, the, the, whatever it is. And you won't have an excerpt of the next book in that grouping. No, it'll be a completely different author. And I don't know, because I haven't like cataloged it. I don't know if it's just that like, oh no, you're going to get the info for another book that came out in the same month, because that's the reality. Like Harlequin Presents will have books that come out every single month. And it's not one book. I want to say it's anywhere from four to eight because they, on the Libby Library app, wow, there has not been a helicopter all night. And of course, now when I've decided to record, the helicopter's like, hey, I wanted to make an appearance too. Anyway, um, you can like, when you're on the library app, you can also like borrow the month bundle, right? And then I think I maybe the ones where it's like more than four or maybe like a quarter bundle, whatever. Harlequin has all that going on. So anyway, I started to just churn through Harlequin Presents to get to that goal because here's the thing, guys. I can get real competitive about like meeting my like monthly or like meeting a specific goal, especially when it's external. Like it's real easy to tell myself that I want to hit 75 books. But if I didn't want Goodreads to be like, oh, you tried and you failed. Like, I didn't want that. And so I was like, no, I have to do this. Because if not, Goodreads will tell me and everyone else I know who follows me on Goodreads that I failed to read 75 books this year. Is this, you know, kind of crazy? Mm, Yeah. But it's also the reason that I've managed to go on my little mental health walk every single day now for according to uh, my Apple Watch, you know, like, an entire year because I was all like, I will, I am determined to meet this external goal that I've decided matters. Anyway, I say all of this, <laughs> I give you all of this backstory and this context to say that I've been reading a lot of Harlequin Presents. You might be going, Esther, what is that? Right? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. Some of you, though, are like, girl, you keep saying that that phrase. Like, we supposed to know what the hell you talking about. So Harlequin Presents is one of several imprints or lines under the Harlequin umbrella, which used to be its own separate company and that was bought by the devil that is HarperCollins. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, so... The Harlequin Presents are, so each Harlequin sort of imprint line, but I'm going to call them imprints. Someone is all like, Esther, that is not what they are called. Too bad. That's what I call them. Um, Each of them, whether it's Harlequin Desire, Harlequin Special, what is it? Special Edition, whatever. they The way in which the cover is done is is pretty, it's pretty standard. So Harlequin Presents used to be, a red banner across the very top of the book 
followed by white space. And in the center, it, you know, top center, below the title, which was always, it's like a black font, um, you know, all, I, all capitalized. There's kind of a circle. The olden days, it was a literal circle with a couple in the middle. Um, now it'll sometimes, you know, not necessarily be just a circle. Sometimes it's like a half arch. And then the red, you know, the, but it's, it's the red and the white is always there. Um, if it's not the more modern, the more current, not modern, the more current ones, it's on a red banner across the top. It's almost like a, um, a portion, almost like if you took either a square or a diamond and you kind of cut them off, like, you know, like you layered it on the corner of the book. Um, and so that's red and then the rest is white, but like the red and the white, is very specific to Harlequin Presents. Harlequin Desire, that is like a yellow sort of triangle square thing in the corner. And so that's how you can differentiate. And Harlequin Desire, it's a full color shot that's taking up the entire cover. There is no like white border, none of that is, it's whatever uh, shot was taken of the, of the couple taking up the entire front cover um, but that is not the case for Harlequin Presents it's either the circle or the, the circle or sort of a half arch and that's how you um, can kind of tell which one's which um, Harlequin of course was a company that was you know at one point being run by men who had like sold I think I have to go back and actually finish reading that book, but um, I think it's called The Merchants of, what was it called? Anyway, um, it talked, this book about Harlequin talked about how um, they rose to prominence after, like, they got these men who used to sell, like, detergent and stuff for Procter and Gamble or whatever, started working at Harlequin, and they, for them, um, which I guess makes sense, it was, like, a very specific and clear and distinct product so that your customer always knew exactly like a customer didn't have to go through a bunch of stuff to figure out which one was like it was if, it, if they all look the same and all that changes is the cover like the couple in the circle and the title if this is what you like reading you don't your audience isn't going to get lost trying to find what they're looking for if that kind of makes sense so anyway I've been reading a lot of them and some of them have actually really surprised me in how um I don't necessarily think they're doing something totally like new and out of the box but you know they're giving me a story that I'm really being that I feel really engaged in and I you know has captured my attention have had a really incredibly strong first chapter, which is what the which is what the excerpt is. That's what gets you at the back at the very end of whichever one you read. The excerpt is always the first chapter. Some of them have an incredibly strong first chapter. Then 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 it fizzles, then it fizzles, then it falters, and I'm just kinda like, mm, mm. if I had known, I would not have kept reading. But I did not know. So anyway, um, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, some of what I think has been really interesting to see and read and some of what I've been kind of like, 
girl really, Bo really gone a better line. So I will start off with one that I think is like I immediately captured my attention and I got to the end of it and I was kind of like, okay, I this this definitely was like within this world, but work for me. So this one is called Promoted to His Princess. This is the Royal House of Axios, book one. I mean, I'm not Greek, so I'm probably butchering these names. And within that, they're not... Oh, that's the other thing. Harlequin is contemporary, right? There are no... There's nothing paranormal happening. Sorry, not Harlequin. Harlequin Presents, specifically, is um, fully contemporary. Everything is happening in our modern world, right? But you can only... Like, it's really hard to write about men male characters that are um princes and kings if we think about the modern world since that doesn't really like like how many places have a monarchy so so there are at this point i feel like there are millions and i mean millions of kingdoms um throughout scattered throughout the mediterranean scattered throughout um the middle east None of them are real places. And on one hand, that makes sense. If I'm writing a story about a hero that is a prince or a male character that is a prince, I mean, if I write about he's an English prince, you're going to be like, you're writing about Harry or William? And I'm going to be like, no. And they're going to be like, so you're making stuff up? And I'm going to be like, well, it's fiction. And they're like, what is contemporary? So has the royal family that we have today died? Have you fast forward to the future and you're writing about like, you know, what are the kids' names? Louis, George, right? Louis, George, and oh, what's the girl's name? Whatever. I forgot, which is bad, but mm. or uh, what's Harry's kid's name? Archie. And then I'm like, no. So it's like, wh- wh- then what are you doing? Right? But if I say that if there is a small principality, a small kingdom, a small nation on an island off the coast of, you know, the Mediterranean, similar to Monaco, but not Monaco, then I can just be like, yes, he's prince of whatever the hell I want to name it. And it, it can have a similar structure to the royal family in the UK or the royal family in Spain. But because I'm not doing those specific actual real places, I can play around with what that royal structure looks like, what, you know, that entails. Now, from what I, I should probably like look into this. Anyway, Harlequin uh, presents, right, all of the male characters are some sort of business magnet and or royalty. No one is a plumber. Um, one is an electrician. Um, no one is a blue-collar worker. And if they are a white-collar worker, they own the company. Um, I wonder if anyone has done research on when there was a transition from the millionaire's mistress to the billionaire's mistress. Because, ooh, girl, there are billionaires up and down these books like everywhere sort of like how in historical there's like duke this duke that and you're like how many dukes could england possibly have had at one time um in 
Harlequin presents, there are billionaires everywhere, around every corner, in every book. Um, sometimes I even think that they kind of push it because I distinctly remember, I want to say it was in December, reading one where I didn't read, ah, it was in a big like bundle of Harlequin, so I wasn't reading any blurbs. And I finished the book, and then I think I was trying to see if the I could find the brother's book. So I found that same book on its own, and it mentioned that the male main character was like, you know, what was he? A fitness like tycoon or and I was like, the man owned four gyms in Ireland. Does that make you a tycoon? Like owning more than what? Like this ain't an international chain. It's not even like I remember being like. I feel like y'all are, uh, it, I, do I not know what a tycoon means? Which is possible. Um, but anyway, promoted to his princess, the Royal House of Axios, that's how I'm going to say it, book one by Jackie Ashenden, A-S-H-E-N-D-N. I'm like, it could be Ashenden. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that. So what captured my attention was, I'm pretty sure it was in a blurb, it was an excerpt from another book, but this, so this is a bodyguard story, but the bodyguard is our female main character, and I, honest to God, right now cannot think of any book I've read where she, like, you know, in, in, uh, Harlequin in a contemporary where she is the bodyguard and he is, you know, the prince. So I was immediately like, oh, I'm getting a bodyguard story, but he's not guarding her. She's guarding him. Oh, okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. Like, I want to know, like, what's going on here? What's like, I want to see what this is. And I think it was, um, so one thing I have noticed reading a lot of these is that there's this like, it almost feels like all of these characters really don't know how to deal with their emotions and communicate about their emotions. Like, on one hand, I do think, like, it would be fascinating if someone were to throw in some sort of therapy um, in these books, but I don't know if there's enough space for that because Harlequins also have a specific word count that you have to sort of stay within. I think your max is 75K. So there's really not that much room to really you know, go into uh, the fact that uh, uh, all these people need therapy. I'm not, you know, you know. So sometimes that kind of takes me out of the story where I'm like, girl, if you could just um, get some therapy and have some conversations. Um, but I did actually really enjoy this one um, because, again, it was something different, right? She could have easily just done a bodyguard story where he, but we have this woman who is a member of the Royal Guard for this nation and she's guarding, you know, the second son and, you know, then they fall in love and Harlequin Presents also is very much like baby. Um, having a baby, whether it is secret or not, is very much a part of the plot. I don't know if it's a requirement, but it very much is something that consistently, having now read a bunch, I'm like, oh yeah, hmm, baby here, baby there. Um, and sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, the magical baby. Um, but that's what we get in this one. They, you know, have relations and then she ended up pregnant. And what was really interesting is both of these characters were all like love grows absolutely not and it's because both of them had parents that were <laughs> awful I mean the prince had an absolute 
turd of a father. Um, and the Royal Guard, she had parents who took out the fact that they weren't happy with each other out on her. Not in, the, like, a crazy abusive way, but it's, like, the mother and flare and then left and then never spoke to her daughter again. And the kid, like, homegirl was 12, so it's, like, I'm sorry, how is it your kid's fault that you out here being a cheating hoe? <laughs> what? Um, so, I was kind of like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes. Because at first I was like, I, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, but I, I did actually end up really enjoying it. And of course, um, by the time I got to the end of it, I just was really, I think Jackie did a really good job in making me believe that in this, you know, made up place that this prince and this royal guard figured their stuff out. I also think what also was different is um, he, the, the male main character, figured out his feelings first. And uh, Harlequin some, it presents will sometimes, will often, not sometimes, will often have it that the woman is like aware that she's in love. And it's like, she's all distressed because how can she be in love? Because she knows this man can't love her, you know, vomit, vomit, vomit. Um, and the, the, Jack was like, no, we're doing this differently. He's going to realize what he feels for her first. She's going to be all in denial, you know, basically flipping those roles. But it did feel believable because I do think that, like, having your mother rock out on you when you're 12 and your father being all, like, you know, just very harsh, but not, like, in a necessarily mean way. Like, yeah, you might that might impact the way you view emotion and, you know, having, and because it, it, we, we learned that, you know, this character, um, oh, her name's Callista, by the way, Callista basically is like, I want, you know, need to become the son that my father always wanted kind of thing, um, so I was like, oh, okay, okay, Harlequin, I see you sometimes, and I will say this author specifically, Jackie, some of her books, I've definitely, like, read them, and then kind of been like, huh, Okay, because she's she's playing within the boundaries or or the rules that she is given, but she's still giving me something a little fresh, a little different, right? Like I'm looking at it like think of it as you're you're looking at a flower and you're like oh, that's a red rose, and then you look closer and you're like, but there's a bit of shimmer there. There's a bit of there's a bit more depth than you expected. There's you know the color isn't the same all the way through. There is some radiation like she's definitely I don't want to say pushing boundaries because it still falls very much within the structure and the feel of the stories but it is still there's that hint of like a little bit not subversive but just a little a little bit more like like actually modern in a way because some of them I'm like yeah this came out like this year and it's still the it could have also be written, been written in 1998 except you know in this one they reference cell phones um and the other one they don't just because of the way the character is sort of like you know the same usual sort of I guess tropes or reactions whatever you want to call them right because another one by her that I also did enjoy was the maid the Greek married all right this one was a maid who so I had read the, I guess, the first book in this one, and I wasn't really sure at first. I 
this one ended up being three books and I wasn't very sure how they were I eventually saw how they were connected but at first wasn't whatever um so in the first book the brother the male main character is this man who's been trying who's basically been leading this like very lecherous debauched life always trying to lure in human traffickers to get information to you know um sell them out to the police because he's in the hunt to find his sister who was snatched but when she was snatched he was poor and of course as usual the police don't pay attention to the poor people so he you know basically worked his butt off to become rich to then hunt these people down in this manner so this last book made the greek married ends up being the sister's book so this young woman is you know trapped in this house and this man that consists you know every few months comes to visit who apparently like looks very awful because he was in an awful um uh he 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 has scars and he's all widowed and um she asks him for help and he eventually does help her because he's been coming to this like compound because this is his like ex-father or his his you know father-in-law like that man you know but he had no idea that his father-in-law was also like a human, a literal human trafficker. Um, and so, you know, the, I feel like another author would have had the, the female main character and the male main character spending all their time together and, uh, having her like fall in love with him while he's, you know, not, not letting himself fall for her because he's already lost the wife and da, 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 da. that's not what Jackie did she had um the widower is like we can get married because oh he like wanted kids you know to you know pass on his family lame and whatever oh because he's supposed to be like descended of actual Hercules whatever um so they do get married and he's like for every season, you're going to spend two weeks with me to decide if you actually want to be married to me. Because she gets gra- basically grabbed as a child and has grown up on this compound. She has no last name. She's never been outside of this compound. She has no papers. She's never had a real job. She's been a maid. She's never had a real job. She's ne- She knows nothing of the outside world, really. She just knows what she's been able to access in this compound. So he's like, you're going to spend two weeks with me out of every season. If at the end of that, you want to still be married to me, you will be, we will stay together. And then, you know, we will, you know, do the deed so I can have kids. Of course, they don't, you know, they do the deed. I think the second time they're together or whatever. But I thought it was interesting that that's the way the author went. Because she easily could have been like, oh, I'm going to, you know, take you to my, she could have written it. I feel like a different author would have very much been like, spending all this time together and he's all like I can't fall in love again because I lost my first wife and I don't deserve love and then the poor maid knows nothing only knows that she you know has feelings for this one man but knows nothing about real life instead by doing it this way right the maid is gets you know she's living in Paris by herself and yes she's spending time with him for two weeks out of a season but the rest of the time you know, we understand that she is on her own, growing into her own person, learning about herself, exploring like what she's able and capable of doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I actually really, really appreciated that. And at, because it's a Harlequin, she 
he does help and find out like her brother. Um, and it's a whole thing because he's very much like, I can help you find your brother, but he also won't speak of his past. And she's kind of like, so you get to know everything about me and I don't know nothing about you. That ain't fair. Um, and so I was like, Oh, okay. And I think, so that's, what's been really interesting, right? Like some of these have been like, Oh, wow. Whereas like another one I read, Beholden to the Throne, Empire of the Sands 2 by Carol Marinelli. I I will say, for me, I thought this had a really strong opening chapter, right? This is a Danny who's telling the Sheik, like, uh, you're ignoring your twin daughters. What the hell is wrong with you? Like, that's not what I signed up for. Yes, their mother has died, but, like, you need to be there for your daughters. I don't necessarily think it was a bad story. And I think some of what bothered me was the way in which it was written. I was kind of like, what is going on? But it did feel like, like I, it, so the main girl is all like, I can't have kids. And he's like, well, I need to produce a male heir so we can't be together. Sometimes I get really aggravated with those. Oh, I can't have kids once because very, very often, Oh, it turns out I didn't have, like, an actual real conversation. I just overheard the doctor say I couldn't have kids. And so, I, you know, I left it at that. What? What? You've always wanted kids. You overhear conversations saying you're never going to have kids. And you don't, you don't investigate? You don't make sure? The fuck? What? No, that's dumb. That is dumb. That is stupid. And again, had this been a book? Because when did this one come out? 2013 okay 10 years ago fine I'll give it a pass because it was 10 years ago no actually no I won't had this been written in 1998 maybe and I only say that because I feel like when we go farther back we sometimes have examples of like female main characters having a lot less agency and so I'm like okay maybe it's because at that time writing female characters without agency who were having life happen to them was the norm but in 2013 girl mm, mm, no don't like it absolutely I don't like it I don't like it and so that one was one where I was like okay like it's not the worst thing in the world but it's really not like oh my god the greatest thing ever you're all probably like oh okay girl and oh you know what started me on this like I just realized what started me on this like whole harlequin um jaunt uh someone had been talking about snowbound in her boss's bed by Marcella Bell and I was like oh this cover looks nice because the cover we've got um it's the back of a gorgeous kind of full figured looking um woman who looks like she's black in a yellow dress she I mean the only thing that's a bit weird here it looks like she's got a gorgeous necklace on backwards but we'll let it rock she's in the arms of a white dude who's got a longer hair they just look very attractive oh and someone had mentioned I think it was on Twitter it was a Hanukkah or yes like a Hanukkah story and I was kind of like Harlequin has a Hanukkah story <laughs> let me go let me go read and I did actually really enjoy that one like they get stranded um first night of Hanukkah in his like Colorado whatever um compound and end up you know basically spending Hanukkah Hanukkah together 
And I really did enjoy it. I really, there was something about it. Again, I think it's like, so, when authors are willing to just like, like it could have just been a story about people snowbound at Christmas. But like, if Hanukkah happens around, have, I mean, it happens in the winter. It's not a, it's not a religious holiday that like changes. It's always in the same season. So yeah, we should have more snowbound stories that, are not about Christmas, but are about Hanukkah. More, um, you know, just like, why not? Like, it just, hello? So I was like, oh, okay, yes, yes. I want to read that. And that's sort of what, you know, because literally what happens is I get to the end of the book and then there's an excerpt. And if the excerpt is good, I usually am like, let me go look for that in the library and borrow that one. And then that leads me to another one and another one. And then, you know, so on and so forth. I'm trying to think of. I also so I've read Maisie Yates's uh like cowboy stuff. Um, didn't realize she'd done a whole lot of Harlequin, uh, presents as well. I did read um Heir to a Desert Legacy, which is Secret Heirs of Powerful Men Number One. That was like okay. You know, it was okay. Um, it was one of those like, oh, um, what was it? Oh, it was one of those like, oh, I have to marry you because you have custody of the future heir of the nation and whatever, whatever. So it was very much like, I don't know if it's chic or shake. I would say chic. I'm sure someone's going to be like, that's not how the S-H-E-I-K-H. I'm probably messing that up. Um, but it was it was one of those. Um, okay, The Girl That Love Forgot by Jenny Lucas. This was interesting. So she is this world-famous photographer... And she is, she goes to this, like, special horse farm in somewhere in Spain because this man owns, well, she's doing all these photo shoots for some equestrian magazine. Um, and this man has, like, these most incredible horses, but he is, like, very particular about who he sells them to, yada, yada, yada. And... She was, you know, oh, Harlequin Presents will also do, predominantly the women are all virgins, um, even ones where they are already pregnant. Because I definitely read, like, two where they were pregnant, but, like, they had not been, like, one was, like, a surrogate, and then the other one was they made a mistake at the clinic and gave her the wrong sperm, um, so she ended up with somebody else's sperm, but regardless, um, I don't know if it needs, if it's a specific requirement, but so many of them, the women are just a virgin, um, like straight up. Like, it's not even like, oh, I have very little, nope, like, it's, nope, they've never been with a man in any way, shape, or form. So homegirl has never been with a man. Now, some of the time when they do that, I'm like, the reason you've given me is kind of stupid. This was interesting. Um, her father, who was a drunk almost beats her to death because she'd gone out um with 
she'd try to like go to a party that her brother was at or her brother sent her home. And so when she got home, her father saw that she was like dressed up and basically because he was drunk, lost it and like beat the shit out of her. And so of course, oh, and then I think her oldest brother comes home and is the reason why she doesn't end up dying. But in the process of saving her, like the father does, he like falls, hits his head and dies, which like, okay, good. Because that's what should happen to you if you're going to come home and almost kill your own child. But of course, I completely excuse her, her brain and everything. She's 14. And I think her brother takes off. So I think she's just kind of like, absolutely like closes down emotionally and all this stuff. Our male main character is all like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have her. Like, she's a nice princess, but she's going to fall for me. Um, what I think was really interesting, not really interesting. I, they definitely do, you know, they're attracted to each other, all that. But the author was in all, uh, again, because this is a love story and all that. We do see like why Stefano also is, that's the male main character's name is so um, resistant to, like, relationships because he'd also, you know, gone through something not great. Um, But this one, I I don't know if it's because, like, her backstory felt very, like, actually, like, traumatic and tragic that I was like, oh, okay. Um, I can see how even with therapy, you would be a mess because you were almost beaten to death by your father and then saw him die in front of you. That is huge. And then sometimes I feel bad because I'm like, oh, well, okay, some of the other things that people have gone through, um, you know, would explain. But I, I, I think it's like if you're 14 and you dress up and you, you, that is the reaction. I can see how that would make you want to completely, you know, ignore your, your sexuality. Oh, actually... I just realized they're not all virgins um, because the Marcella Bell one, she's not, she was like engaged. Oh wait, or no, she was a virgin. She was engaged, but she was a pastor's daughter. Um, and so, you know, the assumption there is pastor's daughter saving up for, you know, marriage and all that fun shit. Um, so yes, even that, which now, now I will say that kind of makes sense to me. Right. Like, I think when there are valid reasons for why I'm being told that this character is a virgin, I'm like, oh, OK. Sometimes I'm like, eh, I don't know if I believe you. Uh, but sometimes I'm like, oh, OK. Sure. Um, I'll take it. OK, I'm going to pause here because I need water. And then I'm going to come back and talk about a few of the books I've read. OK, I'll be right back. <laughs> Okay, so I'm back. Um, I wanted to add, or wanted to add, I wanted to talk about two more books. Um, and then basically, I done so, I think. Yes. So one of the other books that I've read recently-ish um, is, uh, what's it called? I asked what's it called. Like, I'm not staring at the fucking title. Anyway, friends. <clears throat> Sometimes. In old age, these happens. It's called Ravaged by Naima Simone, um, and it is book two in the Burned Ink series. Um, this was, I, why did I pick this up? I don't know if someone mentioned it, or if I just, like, 
randomly saw it. No, I feel like someone must have said something. Probably saw someone talk about it on Twitter and was like, oh, let me go see. So, uh, one character, the male main character is like hot as shit, a uh, basketball player. Oh, I will say this. The cover shows like a generic ass looking white dude with some tattoos. The man that is described in the book sounds a million times hotter than the man on the cover. And I was a little annoyed with this man on the cover because it was like, you're ruining this for me. I almost wish that it was just like the outline of a male chest, no face. Um, in the dark with the words ravage because ew um because no the man that is described uh what is this man's name jordan no he sounded uh incredible uh whereas like the cover no the blurb to be honest i didn't really like the blurb but again i think someone must have said something about it on twitter because i started to read it the female main character um works for a company called burned inc where they will break up with people for you so you pay them and then they break up with the person that you don't want to date no more um which seems kind of wild but also i think why not um obviously getting your heart broken sucks but i'm trying to decide like what's worse someone texting you or someone spent, or knowing that someone spent money so that someone could come it's not like they come and do it in a like a, a horrible petty awful way you know it's in a very like uh, one of the scenes, which is, like, one of the, um, the guy has basically paid for the girl to have, like, a VIP night out, but just the burned girl is there to be, like, this is no, like, he's no longer going to, like, he's not into you anymore, he's no longer going to be seeing you, but you have one last, like, night with, uh, one last night to, like, party it up on his kind, on his dime, which, yes, is very, like, what the fuck? But, like, I don't know. That somehow still seems better to me than text. So, anyway, um, our female main character, what's her name again? Miriam, doesn't do athletes. Jordan's a basketball player. Clearly, they can't be together. Um, did Miriam have good reasons for wanting to stay far away from athletes? Yes. Um, but at some point, I was kind of like, girl, really? really? Are, are you going to really be this dumb? Uh, whereas Jordan was just kind of like, okay, I'll just be your friend because I want her in my life, but that's not really what I want. I did think it was well done. Um, you know, I enjoyed reading. I definitely like finished it and I was kind of like, oh, wow. I'm like, okay. Now what's interesting is sometimes I'll read like the second or third book in a series and be like, I have to read the others. I wasn't like, I need to read the first one. Um, I did really enjoy this one, but I wasn't like, oh my god, must read the other one. I was kind of like, yeah, all right, I'll be fine. There is, um, so part of like the story is that Jordan is like ends up trying to set her up with one of his teammates. Um, now you might be like, that's awful. Why would he do such a thing? Because when this is happening, he believes he has no chance with her. And the teammate in question is a widower. Like, he's, you know, lost his wife, like, a bed. I think it's been a year. And it's, like, the first time that he seems, like, interested in a woman. And Jordan is kind of like, if I can't be with her, like, if she doesn't want to be with me, then maybe I should, you know, help her 
maybe I should like help my buddy. Like maybe I should facilitate this because maybe I'm the, maybe it's not athletes. Maybe it's just me, but so I'm not saying it was great, but his reasons were, I want her to be happy. And uh, here's my teammate. Right. Um, And of course um, I, all of this comes out. So it's not like she's always kept in the dark about what actually happened. It comes out, but I wasn't mad at him necessarily. I was kind of more mad at her because I was like, well, you kind of put him in the situation by consistently being like, oh, hell no, when clearly that that's not like what's wrong with you. Um, And also, if you're so like against athletes, then why would you even attempt to date his teammate? Stupid. So there were moments where Miriam really aggravated me. um, And I was kind of like, what the fuck? Um, But I enjoyed it. And then the other book. So someone else on Twitter also talked about The Beast of Beswick by Amelie Howard. And I feel like I'd heard about Amelie Howard about something I didn't care for. But I was like, and it's interesting because I'm like, Beauty. so the blurb says, Beauty and the Beast meets Taming of the Shrew and the Slap Out Loud in Heartfelt Regency Romance. Now, for me personally, I struggle with retellings of things like Beauty because sometimes I'm like, I don't, like, what are you doing? Um... I don't necessarily think that every book where the man is scarred and the woman is beautiful is Beauty and the Beast. Maybe, I just, I'm like, what? Um, and I, I know I've not read Teaming of the Shrew. Sorry, everyone. So I was kind of like, eh. But again, someone on Twitter was like, oh my God, this is like so fun. I was like, oh, I'm going to borrow it from the library. Um, and I actually did actually end up quite enjoying it. Um, I think I didn't think I would. Um, but the Duke of Beswick, Nathaniel Hart, and um, what's our lady's name? Lady Astrid Everly. So Astrid is, you know, her, her and her sister are being raised or are being, their guardians are her aunt and uncle, her, I think, father's brother. Um, but these are like money hungry, you know, basically leeches. And so the two women have like these massive dowries. And of course, these leeches want it. And so originally when Asher was 16, she had her season and this like a random dude had been like, you know, and then because they were engaged, because like they had this whirlwind courtship and now they were engaged. He was all like, let's, you know, like I'm here's the thing. Like. This man didn't even be like, oh, let me romance her somewhere. I, I think it was, like, at a ball or a, a house party. He corners her in, like, an empty room. And it's like, just, you know, let me get in there. Give up the goods. And I was like, you're trying to you're trying to fuck her in a ballroom? She's 16. What's wrong with you? Not a ballroom, sorry. But, like, like you could What? Um, so, clearly, we figure out that he's, like, a skis ball and disgusting gross. So, she's all like, this isn't going to work out. Like, whatever. And then he proceeds to tell everyone that she's, like, you know, ruined, and she, you know, isn't a virgin, and of course, everyone believes him, and not her, because that's, you know, the time period, so fast forward, now her sister is the same age, and, oh, her aunt and uncle are like, she's gonna marry the same creep that ruined you, and I'm like, well, but it's clear after a while that, like, clearly the aunt and uncle are in cahoots with this creep, who then it turns out is connected to the Duke guy because the Duke guy was at war. I don't remember if they specify if it's the war with Napoleon. No, it was something else, I think. Whatever, I don't remember. It was a war. 
Anyway, he saves his men, but is horribly scarred because he's like repeatedly attacked with bayonets. I don't even. Eh. Mm. But turns out, a uh, creepy, awful Letcher dude was part of his like regiment or whatever, and he's pretty sure that the man like deserted them and also like fed them over. Anyway, what I enjoyed was uh, Lady Ashford is very like. She loves knowledge, and her father, like, indulged that. And the Duke isn't like, oh, that's weird. He likes how smart she is, how intelligent she is. And at first, she's like, I have to marry, like, you need to marry me so that I can protect my sister. And at first, he's like, no, no, no. And then she's like, no. And so then the sister's all like, you shouldn't have to get married to protect me. But then, and he's all like, you shouldn't have to do that either. Like, whatever. And eventually she's like, I, this may have started out as me coming here to get your help. But now I I do want to stay married to you. And I was like, oh, I liked that. I liked that it was very much like, yes, this did. It wasn't, she never negated the fact that like how they came together was because of, you know, a very specific reason. But I like that she was like, but that has changed. And it is okay that that has changed. And how dare you, you know, like, not accept that that has changed. Da, 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 da. So I did actually quite enjoy um, that book. I was kind of like, oh, I wonder. Um, and, of course, the Beast of Beswick, like, the name comes because he's so horribly scarred and everyone's like. Um, and I think it was interesting. It mentioned a few times throughout the book that, like, people assume that someone who is disfigured and horribly scarred is a terrible person. And then, you know, on the flip side, you've got, like, the bad guy. What's his name? Buma, I think was his name. Who isn't disfigured. Who is, you know, quote-unquote handsome and is absolutely, like, a rotten individual, right? Um, and I'm sure that, you know, someone's like, yeah, beauty, beauty, whatever. Like, I don't strictly... I think I also sometimes am like, eh, about Beauty and the Beast. Because I definitely took a women's studies class that talked about how, like... <sighs> You know, Beauty and the Beast it has some, you know, some some echoes of, you know, domestic violence. I was like, oh, oh, oh. Um, so I'm very much. But I just, to me, I guess, because these are not like fantastical books where the, the beast is suddenly going to be like a magical good looking man. I'm kind of like, huh? But I guess that's also me being like literal. And that's not, you know, what's happening. But anyway, all all that to say, I did actually enjoy The Beast of Beswick. I'm on the fence about reading the second book because the second book is her sister's book. So in, in this book, uh, her sister basically finds another guy to marry and we find out that they get married. But it turns out, according to the blurb, uh, he leaves her in the countryside, goes to goes back to London and has like, you know, this like crazy uh, decadent uh, gambling club or scandalous club and then she's in the countryside apparently uh, by herself but she also becomes the anonymous author of a woman's sexual advice column which I was kind of like wait what huh Um, and then she's like I'm coming to London to figure out what the hell is going on with you so part of me is like I don't I don't know if I really care enough to read that one I think the way I saw them in The Beast of Beswick, 
a part of me is like, ugh, and now I'm going to have to read how they're separated for three, three years because they were both stupid. I don't know that I want to do that to myself. Um, and then apparently there's a 2.5 book called The Wolf of Westmore, which, according to the blurb, is Little Red Riding Hood meets Romeo and Juliet. What? I hate when y'all do this. Lord Wolfric Bane, the Duke of Westmore, knows that blood is thicker than water, that duty is more important than personal desire, and that some things like falling in love are a waste of time. Closeted and coddled, Lady Jocelyn Capehart has been bred to be the perfect lady. On the outside, she's demure, sweet, and biddable, but on the inside, a vixen longs to break free of her cage. When a chance meeting at a sultry club leads to one sinfully explosive night that neither of them can forget, Nothing, not even the bad blood between their families, will keep them apart. I'm guessing they meet at the club that, I'm guessing, Homeboy from Book 2 runs? Hmm. Maybe I'll read that. <laughs> but anyway, um, yes. That, those are some of the, so with, you know, amongst all of the Harlequin Presents that I've been, you know, just read, 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 um, I also read those two. Uh, I also, oh, I also read Naima's Bargain with the Beast, which is Breathlessly Ever After, book one. Again, I think, I don't know why this is happening to me, but it's a fairy tale based book. Um, this is also another, um, the man is all scarred and awful, and the woman um, is, has to, sacrifice herself and blah 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 um what okay what I think was interesting and I think because I'm pretty sure Naima has done this before so she was engaged to his brother um then his brother died then he's in a horrible car accident and his father dies and turns out he always had the hots for her she always had the hots for him and there was a part of me that was like so y'all gonna figure this out before like he basically lost his father and brother he doesn't lose his father anything to do with her um but the brother she basically there's an engagement party for her and the younger brother and then after she tells him like that they can't be together because she just doesn't feel the same way anymore and he freaks out because he's not a dummy and then he apparently has an accident and then dies oh i think it's like a car accident um and so there's a part of me that's like huh Okay, and I guess for the story reasons, it would be weird if the younger brother was alive and was like, really, y'all are just gonna whatever. But a part of me was like, okay, so then why didn't the two of you get together after? But I think at the time he may have had a fiance already. And then, of course, he has the accent and then the fiance leaves him because he's so hideous um, and she can't stand to look at him and she can't stand to be touched by him because, again, his face is so awful. And so even though you, you know, it, you know, playing into that whole, there are people who aren't going to be there through, you know, thick, thin, you know, good, bad, ugly. And then there are people. Um, and so she needs money for a community center. He's all like, spend a week with me, basically. You can get your money. And she's kind of like, fine. Um, and she does at some point admit to herself that, like, she really just wanted that time with him. So really, you know, the community center was more of an excuse. Um rather than, like, a, a necessity or whatever, uh, but it was, uh, I guess it was just interesting in the sense that I'm, like, oh, okay, so what is it about this concept? I mean, I guess, 
there's still very much this idea of like, well, if you're this hideous, like how can anybody love you? And I do think um, for all of the ones that have had these men that are so hideous, they weren't hideous men, right? They were all, you know, very handsome, you know, Adonis type, you know? So there is, you know, something there in the sense of like, you're having a character that, was on top of the world, I guess, looks-wise, and now is, like, at the very bottom or below, you know, whatever. And so, of course, that's, you know, going to be... Like, I, if you were born ugly or, look, you know, quote-unquote being called ugly, and then, you know, you have an accident, like, is that going to have the same kind of impact? I mean, I still think it would. People are running from you screaming that you look like a monster. I don't really think it matters what you looked like before. You're still going to be like, what the fuck? And you're still going to, like, you know, retreat and become a recluse and whatnot. Um, But I will say what I, uh, of these, none of them have the men, you know, magically having some magical surgery that brings their, I mean, I think all of them, because the mate, you know, the Greek, the mate, the mate, the Greek married, also he, he, so he was trying to save his first wife in a fire and, you know, is badly burned. There's no real coming back from that. Um, this guy in uh, Bargain with the Beast is in a car accident. Um, and I think there's like fire or whatever. And then the Beast of Beswick, it's like bayonets all over his body. So these are not things. I mean, the Beast of Beswick, uh, of course, at that time, there's just like, you know, oh, and there's just no plastic surgery. The other two are contemporary, so you could be like, oh, plastic surgery, and you guys are rich. Like, that's not really how this works, so you can't really just, like, it's not gonna work the same way. Um, so, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, then. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I've been reading. Um, I am going to, like, see what else I can get into because I think I have noticed like I sometimes struggle with getting into other books um I'm a big paranormal fan but I've kind of been like laying low on that um so I might you know I had read like what did I read that was like well it wasn't paranormal it's alien ribbed for her pleasure read planet dragons of Taj um kind of dumb you know kind of I mean it's a hilarious title um but like this girl signs up for a like celestial meets site and then like a cupid type thing is like because apparently there's like a whole group of people that are just managing everything the universe I guess and it's like oh we need to save this entire line and she can help with that. And I was kind of like, wait, what? So that was a bit odd because like, it just was very strange. Um, it wasn't terrible, but I wasn't like, oh, um, like this is great. Um, so I was kind of like, what? I also read Boss Alien, uh, Restream Mates 4. Mm, no. So this girl needs a job. She travels to the first human Restream settlement and then she's working for the unmated restrain, and then they, like, end up together, but it was just very, like, the writing was, like, eh, I was kind of, like, I, okay, there was one that was, 
Shifter, Midlife Halloween Shift by J.L. Wilder. That was actually not too bad. I think it was really, okay, so they were, like, middle-aged. That's why it says midlife. Like, I think they were both in their 40s. But they were together as teenagers, and then um, they had to go their separate ways. Um, and then they came together. Uh, the only thing that I think bothered me was... Um, so this is a world where werewolves exist. And she starts to have, like, what are clear werewolf symptoms. If you start growing hair all over the place all over the place, like, that's not, that's not a werewolf symptom, that's not, really, really, you start to be, like, really strong, that's not, and it seemed like no one was, like, that never gets mentioned, like, oh, maybe it's, like, it was very, like, oh, it's not possible because you're human, and I was, like, that doesn't make sense to me, um, turns out she was, like, not human or half human because her mom had actually been shifter and all this, um, and the woman who had raised her was in legitimately her aunt. And I was kind of like, wait, what? So it was very like, mm, I don't know. It wasn't bad, but I feel like there were certain things that I was like, uh, I don't like this. I, I'm not enjoying this. Um, but yeah, so that's what I've been reading, guys. And those were just some of the thoughts I had, um, about what I've been reading, and next week, I'll be back with talk of more books, um, what books they might be, I have no idea, (laughs) I cannot tell you that in advance, because I don't know, um, anyway, I'm going to pause here, and I'm going to come back for gratitude attitude, okay, Mm, see you in a bit. Okay, so it's time for a gratitude attitude. Um, so this week I'm grateful for. Okay, so guys, guys, if you happen to live in New York City, um, Brooklyn Museum is offering a six month introductory membership for thirty nine dollars. Now you might be going, okay, what's the big deal? Here's what's the big deal. Do you know how much it is for an adult to get in on a regular uh, Wednesday through Sunday? So that means that if you go twice in six months, you have paid $40. Whereas if you had paid for the membership, you would have saved a dollar. And if you happen to go more than twice in six months, think of the money you pay. Now, this is all brought to you because um, I had seen, I think on Instagram, because I were in the middle or about to be the end of New York Fashion Week, there had been some Instagram posts about the theory, I don't know if it's Thierry Mugler, Thierry Mugler, whatever, um, exhibition. I was like, oh my God. Um, when it comes to clothing exhibits, I am all, I love them. I love, I love seeing couture clothing. Um, part of it is because like, oh girl, when am I going to have money to buy couture clothing? But just, to look at clothing that has, you know, not only the amount of work that goes into it, but like couture clothing is, can be so out there. It can be just, it's just, it can be anything, right? Um, and so, for example, I, every year I go to the Met to see what whatever the exhibit is. 
that the Costume Institute has put on that the Met Gala is based on because I love, I love seeing clothing. Um, I'm really mad at myself because I didn't go see the Dior exhibit at the Brooklyn Museum. Part of me was like, I had seen it when it was at uh, the V&A um, Museum in London, but a part of me was like, I could have gone again. So anyway, I'm on, you know, Brooklyn Museum's website and I was about to buy a ticket and I don't know what made me think, I was like, let me go look at the memberships because usually, oh, because as, whenever you're trying to buy tickets, it's almost like members get in free. Member, da, da, da. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go look at the memberships. It's going to be something crazy, like a hundred and something dollars, which is dumb. And I'm just not going to get it. And then I'm on the page. And then it's like, oh, they have this cool thing now where you get, you don't get a year because a year is $75, but for $39, you get to be a member for six months, not six weeks, six months. I was like, for $39? So, of course, I bought the membership. So today, I went and I saw the exhibit. And it was incredible. Now, I feel like I went through it pretty quick. But I also did that because I plan to go back. I plan to go back over and over and over again in the next six months. So that, you know, my $39 is worth it. Because I literally will just have to pick a time. Fill out, uh, you know, put in my, you know, login pick a time and I get a QR code and I'm set. Um, the Moogler exhibit, I believe runs through the end of, or no, through the beginning of May. So I have a bit of time. Um, but I am already thinking like, maybe I'll go like at least every other week because it's like, obviously there are, the museum is five floors. So there's other exhibits happening, but like, I am fascinated by couture clothing like fascinating and this all stems back to so why I moved to New York City in May of 2010 and I believe it was I don't know if it was that fall or it might have been I'm gonna look up when the um Alexander McQueen exhibit was uh and I just failed at what I was doing Met Met You're hearing tapping, that's me using my um iPod. What was the Met exhibit at the uh Alexander What wow wow did you did you hear that guys? When was the Met exhibit at the Alexander McQueen? The Invas. The inverse. I'm talking about the inverse. Um, eh. I cannot find the information. Wait here. Let us see. Okay, guys, just give me dates. Why are you making this so complex? So complicated. I just need the date. When did this happen? Seriously, it's not. 2011. Sorry. I'm slow and can't find info. So Savage Beauty, which ran from May 4th to August 7th of 2011. Um, I, uh, before I'd moved to New York, I'd always been a big September issue Vogue girl. Like um, I currently have like a few September issues that I'm looking at. Um, I had a bunch in Toronto, sadly. Um, my mama gave them away, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm, I'll be all right. Um, and so usually it would be like, oh, this cool stuff that's happening in New York. But I lived in Toronto. 
And suddenly I was like, I live in New York. Like I can go to this. So I remember I went and I was in such like just sheer awe of being able to see clothing that I'd seen either in magazines, runways, or, you know, people wearing them on the red carpet in person, the detail, it was incredible. And I do think that museums are able to, you know, curate the ways in which they show a collection. So ever since then, I'd always been like anytime, literally, I don't think I've missed a year at the Met to go see the exhibit, which reminds me, I need to go again soon. Um, so knowing that Brooklyn Museum had this going on, I was like, I have to go, like, I have to go at least once. Um, and I will definitely be back to go again because I just, there is so much detail. Like there is so much detail. It was really cool because, um, so a dress that Kylie Jenner just recently wore to the CFDA, uh, awards was like, it's one of the first pieces you see, uh, the, an outfit that Cardi wore where it looks like she's coming out of a shell kind of like that was there. Like it was just, you know, the um, motorcycle corset that Beyonce wore was there. Like just incredible pieces and the level of work and detail, like just out of this world. And so sometimes it's, I feel like it's easy living in New York and getting bogged down with the fact that this is such a crazy, wild, expensive city, it's easy to forget uh, what New York can offer. And what New York can offer is incredible museum exhibitions because it has so many museums, right? You've got the Met, you've got MoMA, you've got the Whitney, you've got Brooklyn Museum, you've got the Guggenheim, you've got, you know, the Frick Collection. Like, there, and I know that I'm missing museums. I know that I am. Like, there are more than what I've said. Oh, Museum of Natural History, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so you're able to, I'm not you, I, because it's about me. Sorry, everyone. I'm able to um, attend exhibits for things that um, might not, you know, show up in other cities. But because I get to live in New York, um, I get to attend. Um, and so I'm so grateful that I was able to go. I'm also really grateful that I saw this uh, introductory membership rate before I bought my ticket. Because I would have been so mad if I had bought a $20 ticket to then find out that for an extra $19, I could have had a membership for six months where I could go whenever the hell I wanted. I would have been peeved. Like peeved. Like irate. Enraged affronted. Um, so I'm really, really thankful that, um, I, I decided to look into that and the information was there. Um, really easy to find and really easy to set up my membership, all that, give them their, their coins so that I could go. Um, trying to think what else am I grateful for this week? Um, I mean, I think that's really like the big one. Like I just, it was such a wonderful experience. Like, I really, really just enjoy seeing the artistry, the talent that is, like, couture clothing. And it, 
and I did like check out other exhibits in the museum. There was some like like um they had some period rooms, and then they had a comment. Like, they were writing on the wall like you know why do we have period rooms and what are period rooms because period rooms right the Met has a number of them and it's like oh this is what life was like in whatever or the you know this is an example of a a, a library a parlor, but these rooms are also being put together and curated right by someone present day but these rooms are also speaking to a, usually a certain class experience usually a certain um demographic so then this is not a room that is indicative of what everyone was experiencing in say 1894 this is indicative of what a specific group of people might have experienced in 1894 might have you know, these are the furnishings that they might have had, but we can't, A, know because we weren't there, and B, we're not, unless museums are, not unless, no one was preserving the rooms and the spaces of, you know, indigent, or not indigent, uh, of poverty-stricken people. So all of that is gone because we can't go back in time. This is not the back to the future. Um, and so we can't ever know what that looked like. And so what does it say? Because it it's easy to maybe look at these rooms and be like, oh, everyone had this. this. And it's like, no, this is a very specific subset of, or not subset, this is a very specific like um, room that isn't, and also maybe the room didn't even really look like this at that time maybe it wasn't organized in this way maybe it you know we can't know that right um and so they were kind of like like this is a conversation that we need to have and like what does this mean um so I definitely saw some other stuff but for me the highlight was you know um clothing I just I am fascinated by rhetorical I'm fascinated by fashion in that regard right and like what designers create and craft and come up with because some of it seems so like oh duh of course and some of it is so unexpected beautiful of course but unexpected not you know there was a a dress that looked like it was made entirely of tires um a lot of metal breastplate type work which if you were like you know if you got a chance to see the you know Rihanna um she was wearing a breastplate and so you know but of course she was wearing like a half breastplate uh very specific you know in red no other really ornamentation or detailing but still a beautiful piece uh Mugler's breastplates were different there was uh a whole like what was it bodysuit I guess because yes um but in like um but very much looking like a a gold um like gold armor except you know um in the cut of a bodysuit with like ornamentation like just incredible incredible work incredible detailing so I am just I'm so glad and I'm so thankful and it like made me and my inner child so happy like so happy because uh it's just really cool to see 
And if you ever get a chance, if you're into that kind of stuff, if you ever get a chance to go, please do so. Please, please do so. Okay, so that's all I have for you guys this week. Next week, like I said, I'll be back talking about romance novels. Which one? Don't know yet. But, you know, I'll let you... You'll know next week when I know. Because the episode will be out. (laughs) Um, But thank you again so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week. And um, you know what? You can always... uh, hit me up on the socials. All right. Thanks again and take care. Bye.